Hello, and welcome to the Digital Health Leaders Podcast, where we bring the best of the best in digital health leadership to you. I'm Russ Branzell, President and CEO of the College of Healthcare Information Management Executives, or CHIME, and the host of this podcast. These are truly unprecedented times for our industry and our healthcare leaders. These leaders are doing everything they can to support our frontline caregivers and guide their organizations through some of the most tumultuous times in modern history. Today, we have one of those special leaders with us. Well, today we have a, a great leader from my old neck of the woods in Colorado. Matter of fact, uh, we were there for quite a bit of the time. I was there for almost 10 years. Uh, we both kind of got our start on community hospitals in that area, and he is absolutely an advocate for the community hospital and is with one of the thriving ones there now. Uh, believe it or not, there are still standalone thriving hospitals out there in the world, and he is part of one. He's one of our certified CIOs, been around for a while as, as one of our members, uh, and actually a, a true lifelong learner. We're going to learn a little bit about that him today as well. Uh, he's, we are absolutely pleased to introduce Michael Jeffries, a CIO at Boulder Community Health in Boulder, Colorado, one of my old stomping grounds. So welcome to the program, Michael. Great to be speaking with you again, Russ. Absolutely. So first and foremost, same question we've been asking everybody. How are you? How's your family? How's the, uh, in these uh, tough times with COVID going on and uh, in Boulder, how are things going there? Oh, we're all adapting like everyone else. Um, I have a, actually a, a high school graduate um, who just uh, graduated from Fairview here in Boulder and she's going off to Oregon um, here in a few months and we're just kind of learning what that's going to look like. Um, but I was extremely impressed with how the schools honored the graduates and were able to find a way to do a, uh, we used a whole football field and spaced it, all the graduates apart, but they found a way to honor them. Um, likewise, my younger one's finding ways to learn online, and we try to do our best to support her and all that. But I'd say in the scheme of things, we're all, we're all happy and healthy and, and learning to adapt, just like we all need to. So, uh, obviously, Boulder Community is just that. It's a community hospital and, and the health system in that region for Boulder Community. Um, which a lot of people in the world know Boulder from University of Colorado, but uh, you know even that area has changed so dramatically because it used to be just made up of all kind of standalone hospitals, and you're one of the last surviving really community hospitals that are thriving at the same time. Kind of tell us what things are like there with with Boulder community. Yeah, we've certainly seen a lot in our days. Um, you know, we're we're one of those folks that have the story of about. So it was about 100 years they moved the medical school from Boulder down to Denver. And at that time, the residents here uh, decided they really wanted a local uh, hospital. And, and uh, they did a community fundraiser um, led by the medical community and were able to raise funds to build a hospital in a, a little old four-square house, traditional house here in Boulder. Um, and that ultimately became our hospital. So really a grassroots community movement that um, survives to this day. And to this day, um, our board is comprised of volunteers um, who uh, um, direct our CEO, who directs the rest of the organization. And those are some of the hardest working volunteers in Boulder. They're super engaged. It's a really important role. So, um, you know, that's, that really shows how the, the community uh, has met their needs for healthcare uh, over the years. Now, over that time, obviously, we've seen a lot of change. Um, we've that the hospital grew over time, and then we started to see a lot of folks enter the area. And in little old Boulder County, 
um, we have now have five hospitals within the county. So there is no shortage of choice uh, in the region. Um, and obviously Denver's just a 30 minute drive if you wanna go further for your care. So it's become um, hyper competitive. And, um, and yet I will say, um, we all know each other in the CIO community, and so we also work together. But, um, but patients have a lot of choice, and so it's not easy to survive as a community health system when you don't have the same scale or resources. Um, but we find our way, um, and I'd say one of the most important things there, one of our, north, our, our primary North Star and what makes being a community health system special is that we really feel the, the ability to respond locally to our community needs. So when people think about Boulder, they probably think about a really healthy, active uh, community, and that's all true. Um, sometimes uh, if you're not a world-class athlete, you feel like you're slacking off, off around here. But, um, but you know, with that, we do have our uh, problems that are unique to, to us, or, or maybe not unique to us, but um, that are prevalent here. So we have um, a, a higher disease disease of despair uh, prevalence. So um, we have uh, depression, um, substance abuse disorders and things like that. And so we've made the decision that um, we've had a inpatient psych, uh, psych unit and behavioral health uh, on both the inpatient and outpatient side. And we've been able to maintain that despite profitability ups and downs because that's what our community needs. So we, we really stick to that North Star of what our community needs and, um, and listen to our uh, our board representing them um, to really respond. So that's what's helped us survive. Um, I'd be happy to get into many of the other uh, strategies that we do, uh, including partnerships that are critical for us, but, um, but that's really um, how we've maintained over the years. Yeah, that's impressive because I know because of my experience in that area, it's just been massive consolidation. Um, the health system I was with there started with one, grew to two, then three, and now it's part of another system there that I, I don't know what the number is. It's got to be post 10 different hospitals now. So uh, it, it is part of that, but it's glad, glad to see Boulder going doing well still. Uh, one of my best friends had emergency heart surgery there, and so I've always had a fond place for Boulder. So let's talk about you for a second. Um, you have grown up and, and worked your way up all the ranks. Um, a lot of people come in from different places, different ways, clinical, other places, but you really kind of work your way up from, from the very big basics all the way up to the position of CIO. Tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah, sure thing. So um, I was a student at the University of Colorado and I picked up an internship at McKesson HBOC. And so um, those of you that have been around uh, remember the eight old days of Clinicom and um, HBOC and then acquired by McKesson, McKesson HBOC, now Change Healthcare. Um, that was a, an EHR that was started as a, as a startup in Boulder and moved um, to another city, Louisville in the county. And so I got my start um, as an intern, answering phones, getting lunch, coffee, all that sort of stuff at, uh, in the support department, and then um, worked as a system engineer. And I bet a lot of the folks listening, I may have uh, supported your McKesson Horizon clinical systems at some point and been in there. So um, I did uh, engineering work and software support um, and then from there, went into consulting and, and outsourcing, and I used some of that knowledge I had of those systems to help people across the country. And um, we were really uh, proud of doing some hosting work before it was really uh, common, um, as common as it is today, where we did some hosting out of uh, Dearborn, Michigan for um, places across the country that didn't necessarily have the infrastructure or the local expertise to um, do really provide world-class EHR technology at the time. So. Uh, it was a really great way to provide that remote model and remote hosting um, early on. Um, but 
I guess the, the general trend in my career is I kept wanting to get closer to the patient and closer to the provision of care. And um, so during that time, I worked on my MBA in health administration and, um, and then went into a local community system up in Longmont, Colorado, and um, started working as the director of applications, um, did a lot of project management work and applications leadership, and then took over as the CIO or VP um, there. Um, and then since then, uh, had the opportunity to uh, open up at Boulder Community Health, which was really special to me. I mentioned earlier in the show my daughter that just graduated high school. She was actually born at Boulder Community Health, um, you know, 17 years ago. So it's really special to me to kind of travel the entire U.S. working in, uh, in healthcare technology and then finally come home to my local health system, which, um, like you said, remains one of the few uh, independents uh, in the country of a significant scale. So that's been the journey. It's been a really great one. And I, I will just put a plug in for, for time. I mean, both hymns uh, provide a scholarship for me during my, my graduate studies. And then um, Chime has been critical in creating a network where I can lean on people. And um, the CHCIO wasn't just a designation, but a learning journey and networking journey that's um, helped me to have the resources and, and knowledge that I could draw on when I needed it. Well, it's funny you mentioned the, the term journey, and, and I know you personally are a lifelong learner and really dedicated to continuing to keep your skills up, which is part of the requirement of being a CHCIO, but you've probably taken it to a whole new level. What are you doing right now in your education journey? Well, uh, last year before the pandemic, um, I decided that, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm a restless soul that I think a lot of us enjoy the uh, being uh, having that, that, you know, always sharpening the saw, right, and evolving our skills. And I decided um, an area that I had, that we're starting to all do in some way, but um, that I wanted to work on was public health. So um, I applied to uh, a doctorate in public health program at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And so um, I was fortunately accepted into that program and um, the pandemic then hit. And I think um, public health is more relevant now than it ever was before. Um, or at least we have a greater focus on it. Um, so I'm really excited. So I'm, uh, I'm working on a, a doctorate in public health at UNC Chapel Hill, and there's no shortage of anything to talk about right now, that's for sure. Wow, well, it's fine, because I teach at the uh, Mailman School at um, Columbia University in New York oh, yeah. in, their M in their MPH program. So I'm quite familiar and understand the challenges. It's funny that I, I teach in it, but I don't think I'd ever be smart enough to actually get the degree in which I teach in. So <laughs> it's quite that. impressive. It's quite impressive that you're going back and doing that. Um, but why do you have this passion for learning? I mean, why, what, what, what drives you for that? Especially something like public health, which is not the normal direction of a CIO. Yeah, I, I guess for me, um, you know, first of all, well, I guess early in my career, my, my idea was always to, um, to make sure that I was preparing myself so that should a door open up to me, that I was ready to walk through it. And I think that, you know, we never know when opportunities will come, um, but it's important that we're prepared to accept them and, and hopefully have the choice of whether or not we want to accept them. And I know early on in our careers, that's harder, but um, I guess as I've gotten into kind of my mid-career, um, that's I've been more thoughtful about that, and um, I've been lucky enough to take over as CIO at two organizations now. And and you know I I've gotten to that point where you know I've done major uh, EHR implementations and a lot of those big things that we do in our career. 
I thought to myself, well, what, what do I want to do to round myself out? You know, I come from an engineering background and I got a, a business degree and I know healthcare administration. And for me, public health really moves towards the service side even more and understanding beyond uh, managing an individual health system into managing a community. And I think we all have to think more broadly like that. And so um, my hope uh, is that as I get the degree, I'm able to think more broadly about how we're impacting health in our community, and then also take things that we're that we know are the right things to do um, through our advocacy work, and be able to influence um, governmental policy. Because I think a lot of us are, um, you know, we we have to abide by the policies that are created, and Chime does a lot of the ad advocacy work on our behalf, but a lot of it's at the local level. And I think really getting involved with our states and helping guide them with our expertise is important. They want our expertise. And, um, you know, sometimes having uh, that experience really gets you in the door to, to provide that. So, um, so that's what's really been driving me. Well, that's impressive. Today's episode of the Digital Health Leaders Podcast was brought to you by our segment supporter, LK, your healthcare data plumbers. Learn more about LK at ELLKAY.com. So one of the things that, that you learn as you, as, you, as you grow in your position, you grow in your, your role as a leader in the organization, you just can't do everything yourself. And I think your organization, um, because it's smaller, because it's standalone, knows it can't do everything itself as well just because of scale. And you all have created some pretty unique partnerships and relationships out there. Uh, you want to tell us about a few of those? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so uh, you're exactly right. I think that sometimes we don't have the scale to be profitable with some things. Um, sometimes we don't have the, uh, the funding to, to um, offer all the programs that we want. So I guess the first example I'd give would be um, we had inpatient um, re uh, physical rehab. And this is something that is critical to our patients and critical to any uh, continuum of care but we were having a, a trouble finding a physical location for them as we were moving into a new facility, a new hospital that we built. And it was also not a profitable service line. And so um, we explored a private partnership that fell apart and um, it was a for-profit company. And um, it's, uh, you know, we didn't get burned. It was during our diligence that we learned that we needed to back out and we backed out in time. But then we reached out to a local partner and uh, UC Health and uh, UC Health is based out of, out of Denver, but um, across Colorado and associated with the medical school um, at University of Colorado. And they have a smaller facility, a smaller hospital in Broomfield, Colorado, where they had an empty unit and they were also looking for additional capacity for inpatient rehab. So uh, short story, we, we went into a 50-50 joint venture to open up uh, an inpatient rehab and we went from uh, losing money to making money on it. And um, both UC Health uh, was a winner out of it, as are we. And we were able to send our patients. And I'll say, we've, uh, we just celebrated one year of that partnership and there've been um, no falls, I mean, no serious injuries and all these things that are amazing for quality of care. So we're actually providing high quality care, a place to discharge our patients to, and it's profitable. So that's one example. A more recent example that's hit the news um, has been with Optum. And this one's a bit more unique. Um, we, uh, there's been one other facility similar to us that did, uh, did an agreement like this with Optum, and that was John Your, And um, BCH just recently announced that we are um, going into a partnership with them that um, 
truly is a partnership. I think some people on the, you know, that listen to that might say, well, Optum's a behemoth. Is that really a partnership or an acquisition? I'll say very clearly, it's a, it's a partnership where we've invited them in. And they're going to help us with a number of areas, and including a revenue cycle where they have excellent discipline and um, our care continuum, and also with uh, analytics and strategic portfolio management. And so um, these are areas where we're doing some, um, uh, some great work together where they're going to bring in their expertise to drive um, improved revenue, improved efficiencies, and things like that, but also helping guide us strategically because as many people know, they acquired the advisory board, which is a really world-class think tank. So it can help guide us. And also they can help with resourcing if we need to flex up uh, project management or analytics resources to, um, a, to tackle a specific initiative. We have the backing of Optum, which um, I don't know if there is any bigger scale in healthcare. They're one of the largest companies out there. So it gives us some of that uh, ability to flex into the scale that other organizations have while maintaining our local governance and, um, and, and everything here. So it's been a, a really exciting new, um, new method and, and new paradigm. Um, <laughs> I'm using an overused term. Uh, but it really is a shift in, you know, the, the either get acquired or, you know, fight it out independently. This is a, a new journey and a new path for us to, to have a, a big partner with us to help um, remain independent. Wow, that's interesting. Well, you know, one of the other things is obviously you've got, you must have a great team. Now, I'm sure it's not optum size because there aren't any others out there, maybe Kaiser and a few others that are optum size. But, uh, you know, in a small organization, every single person counts, every position counts. You know, how do you engage your team and keep them really, you know, kind of that David and Goliath kind of mindset of how do you keep them motivated? How do you keep them engaged every single day in the fight? Uh, that's a great question. So, uh, you know, this is, it's serving me well, and I think it serves most people well to, to really have an employee first mindset and put their team first. And this is led to my success over the years and the wins I've had have been mine just because uh, I had the team supporting me. And so I, I really work hard to invest in the team, make sure that they know they're appreciated, um, make sure we take care of them. And, um, and I regularly conduct surveys uh, with an external party that um, checks uh, the pulse of our IT team. And I, I read through every single comment of every single team member to make sure I am understanding what their needs are, what their concerns are, what, what's working well. So first and foremost, making sure we put that team first and then they're happy to perform for you. Um, as we've, many of us have heard, uh, team members are often willing to go above and beyond for a leader they care about, um, but maybe less so for a, a certain organization, right? And when you make it personal and you really invest in them, um, they really go above and beyond. So uh, we have an exceptional, we have, I'd say individual exceptionalism throughout our team. Um, but beyond that, I think, um, you know, you brought up the David and Goliath thing. I think this is one part where the community health system uh, size works to our advantage. So when we are recruiting someone, I tell them, uh, when you work at BCH, you've got to be scrappy, you got to be tough, um, you got to work harder, uh, but it, you're a lot closer to your results. We don't have um, nearly as much bureaucracy or red tape. Um, we have the ability to do world-class things because we give people latitude to, to do it. Um, and we have enough resources to let people do great things with technology. Um, but it does, it does uh, require the individual to step up. And so part of that is, uh, you know, our IT office, uh, we, we could have gone further out to get a lower cost of rent. 
but we decided to put our IT office right by our main campus. And that means that um, they're having lunch at the uh, main campus and we, we do everything we can to really keep our, our folks connected to the mission. Um, regularly shadowing our CMIO and other areas that they, um, that they support, making sure to bring in guest speakers, making sure to um, bring in patient stories and letting them know how they are impacting the community. I think we all try to do this, but the more um, personal that we can make it, the more people feel like they're in the fight and it's not just punching a time, car a time card. So I think that's uh, been really a wonderful part for our team. Yeah, and it's probably one of the reasons you've got such good retention in a place where everybody's trying to fight for technical help. <laughs> you know, it, it, we, we try our best. You know, it's, uh, I'm friendly with all the CIOs. We have, a, as you know, Russ, you, uh, many people don't know this, but you started a legacy of CIO collaboration here in Colorado that lives on today. And um, uh, we meet regularly, uh, all the, the CIOs, big and small, um, the major organizations, um, to the critical access organizations and the uh, FQHNs that are doing mental health. We all get together and we share what are our challenges, what are our successes, what are the things we need to coordinate at the state level. And we all work really closely together. And that is a uh, sense of camaraderie that was built back in uh, when you were a CIO out here, Russ. So um, that, I'm proud to say that that lives on and, uh, and is great. So I, I share that because I think that uh, while we're competitors, the CIO community in Colorado is extremely strong. We put aside that competition at the table and we're able to share our best practices. Um, just today, uh, you know, I got an email from Children's Hospital about how you're doing this. I am regularly emailing the CIO and CMIO over at UC Health asking them how they do this. And we are, it's just amazing the information sharing that goes on to lift us up. And, um, I don't know the stats out there, but um, we're going after our HIMSS 7 um, at our organization. And I think that Colorado has just has got to have just about the most HIMSS uh, 7 facilities per capita or per hospital um, than any other state. And I think part of that is the, the, the collaboration that we do together. Yeah, I know it has only one of the th of three most wired level 10s in the whole nation. So uh, that's yeah. uh, pretty impressive. So. Uh, that's absolutely wonderful. Well, let's let's get personal down to healthcare. You say you're a little bit closer to it. I know you personally, you know, have and your organization has a pretty strong dedication to working with the disease of addiction. And you know, Chime took this on a couple of years ago with opioid task force and our opioid abuse work. And but I know you personally have a pretty strong passion towards working towards this as well. I'd love to hear, A, why, why is that personal to you? And, and what are you all doing to try to attack that? Because obviously Colorado, both for positive and negatives, probably has one of the higher addiction rates in the country due to you know, some legalization and other things that have occurred. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, first, I am very proud of the work that Chime's done because it's, it's really, it hasn't been just talk. It's been action that's been supporting everyone. Uh, and I'm glad to be a, a, a part of Chime that's doing that. Uh, yeah, this is personal for me. I think um, you probably can't talk to too many people without someone having a personal story of a loved one that's been touched by addiction. Um, you know, I've been personally affected and, and have, um, you know, some, some impact on my family that's been uh, quite tough. And so seeing those effects of addiction close up have really driven me towards that. And that's, that's part of my motivation to get into public health as well, because a lot of these things you have to drive at a, at a global level um, or larger level than at the individual facility. Um, 
so it is something that drives me. I, I think that you see miracle stories, and I think um, of folks that can um, get some recovery from addiction. Um, they're not lost causes, and um, and it's obviously got a lot of attention. Uh, addiction has been around; uh, it's a tale as old as time, as they say. But um, the opioid crisis has given it more attention. I think, in part, um, because it crosses socioeconomic barriers, and um, you know, I think there's been plenty of other addiction crises in our history that we've paid less attention to because of the the um, the groups impacted, but. Um, you know, the, the, the positive here is that this has brought addiction up to a point of conversation that we have not had in years. And I think we're making so many pro so much progress decades ago with the destigmatizing of uh, addiction as a disease. And then in the 80s, we took a lot of steps backwards. And now the work that we're doing is really allowing people to find recovery and get help. Specifically at BCH, um, you know, I mentioned we, we offer inpatient behavioral health. Um, as well as outpatient, and um, as many people know, uh, psych uh, psychiatric um, health is really closely tied, or often uh, comorbidity with addiction. And so, uh, mental health doesn't live separate from physical health. And um, we also see at Boulder Community Health that um, the folks that come in, I mean, perhaps they are neglecting their diabetes. Well, I'll tell you what: until you until you tackle someone's alcoholism, you're not going to get them to keep their diabetes in order. Um, so addiction is the king of the hill. You got to tackle that problem if it exists. And um, one of the great things that we've done, um, we got a grant from the city um, to work on um, alternatives to opioids and other uh, great things to help in fighting opioid addiction. So uh, we have a clinic that's set up that helps uh, people come in that want that are ready to get off of opioids and find alternatives because a lot of them have gotten hooked on it for various reasons and have various backgrounds but they need alternatives they need suboxone they need um, potentially uh, acupuncture um, but they need a pathway off and um, and that's the the hard thing is a lot of docs have been willing to prescribe opioids without a, a an off-ramp and um, we're providing an off-ramp at our facility. And um, we, we look forward to expanding that and continuing to support the community with that. Well, thanks for your work on this. I know it's very a, a big passion for Chime and the Chime family, and we appreciate all you're doing in that. Let, let's shift to a little bit about kind of the cool new tech frontier. So Boulder is right there in what, you know, for a long time, I think it still is referred to as kind of the mountain Silicon Valley. For a while, it was going to be the it was going to be the Nano Valley as well between Fort Collins and Boulder there. But there's definitely a lot of high tech in that region, and you know probably right there on your doorsteps many days with some cutting edge things. You know how are you all approaching kind of this next generation of advanced technology that to really revolutionize healthcare, not just for your patients but for healthcare in general? I'd love to hear kind of how y'all are approaching this. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting topic. Um, you're right, we are surrounded by tech and I often get board members who, or, or other members of the community that are like, this is an amazing startup, you guys gotta work with them. Um, and what I struggle with as a community organization is um, our tolerance for failure. And so that is a struggle. So I guess I, I probably won't get any CIO cool points for this, but I am gonna say I am a unabashed fast, fast follower. And I think that um, the role of the community health system is to be a good steward. Um, and, you know, having limited capacity for failure, 
Um, we look for other folks to try some new things out, and then when we see things are working, we'll pick it up quickly. And so you mentioned one of the, um, you know, the top uh, uh, most wired facilities is here in Colorado, and the University of Colorado, or UC Health, um, has uh, an outstanding innovation program. They fund it well, um, and they're very open. That's what I love about the, the culture here and the camaraderie is that they're so willing to share that. So when they have successes, they share it. And so, um, you know, within our walls, uh, we are, uh, you know, among the top few percent with the doctors of technology in the country, um, and yet we're a community health system. And yet, we don't find ourselves on that bleeding edge. I think that it'd be a bit irresponsible of me to be trying um, frequently and failing, as you do when you're, when you're experimenting with innovation, um, when we didn't necessarily don't have the ability to do so in a community setting. So I think that's, you know, hopefully those folks that are out there that listen to all the cool stuff going on with, you know, robotic process automation and AI and machine learning, that they can actually step back and say, you know what, maybe I don't need to be doing that right now. Maybe I can wait till it's a little more mature and it's, and I can bring it into my organization. So that doesn't mean to, to be at the tail end of that curve. You want to, you want to get it in when you can afford it and when it makes, has a good ROI. But, um, but for now, our, our strategy is a, a strong, fast follower one. And uh, that has helped us uh, be a leader in technology in the country without um, having to deal with the cost of failure as much. Well, that, so that's a great philosophy and strategy. And, and, you know, let let the others make all the mistakes and you garner all the, the benefits from it. So that's that's a wonderful <laughs> thought. No, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. The same philosophy I had to follow when we were just a standalone a little north of there. So, you know, the, the kind of as we're wrapping our time up here, I'd love to hear kind of maybe a guiding philosophy, something out there that may, maybe one last thought you'd like to share with the audience. Yeah. You know, I think right now we need to remember to take care of ourselves. And um, this is one of the things I, um, I've appreciated when we've done our, uh, our time retreats um, annually or biannually. We, we try to be casual and support each other and really um, recognize that it's stressful to be in our position. And I think now more than ever, there's been more asked of us um, to move quickly to deploy telehealth, to move quickly to respond to um, COVID reporting and and, uh, and respond to the, the pandemic. And I know all of us are absorbing a lot of that personally. We're trying to carry maybe the stress of our team. We're having to carry the financial stress of the organization and make some tough decisions. Um, and I think we just need to not forget to take care of ourselves um, because we're useless to others when when we don't do that. So that's uh, maybe that's a bit of bolder wisdom, right? You know, meditate, do what you need, whatever that is for you. And for me, I'll tell you, Russ, after we get off this call, I'm going to finish pack and I'm going to hop on my motorcycle with, with a really close friend of mine. And we are going to go tour, um, you know, Northwest to here. And we're going to spend a week on our motorcycles, just kind of getting away. And that's, that's a bit of meditation and, and, um, and uh, mental health care for myself, right? So that I can be there for my team and for my community. Well, one of the uh, words, a few words from one of our teammates at Chime uh, that I try to think of every day, and uh, she said to me, she goes, Russ, you can't take care of us if you don't take care of you. And uh, I thought that was an amazing wisdom from a young lady who happens to be maybe helping us with this call today. So with that, Michael, we want to thank you. We know we're, we're the thing between you and a trip through the North Mountains up there. We hope you have a safe time. Stay safe from a COVID, but uh, thank you what you're doing for the Boulder community, for patient care there, for my old friends. Please say hi to all of them for me, but just most of all, thanks for being with us today.
Absolutely. Thanks, Russ. It's always good to catch up and thanks for all you do to support us. Well, thank you. We would also like to thank you, our wonderful listeners, for listening for, to this episode of the Digital Health Leaders Podcast. You, as always, you can visit our website at chimecentral.org forward slash media or listen to these programs on Apple or Spotify along with all the other programs. But for now, please take care. Stay home if you can. If you don't, be safe out there, wear your masks, uh, and God bless. Take care. Today's segment of the Digital Health Leaders Podcast was brought to you by our supporter, LK.